joining us on another podcast episode. Um, our listenership haven't quite skyrocketed yet, but we're seeing much more traction as we release new episodes um, and tackle personal and business financial topics in Singapore. So thanks everyone for tuning in. Um, if you haven't already listened to our past episodes, please do so. Um, but you also know that you know we're regularly joined by Timothy, our managing editor, and Angela, our editor. And I'm Dinesh, our business editor. So in this episode, we're going to discuss a relatively controversial topic. Um, hopefully, we don't go too controversial. Um, so it's about minimum wages in Singapore. Um, and, and the topic that we're actually tackling is Local qualifying salaries and progressive wages. Is Singapore moving towards a minimum wage system? Um, Angela, I think you are put in a hot seat first. I know you've done quite a fair bit of reading on this. Um, so what exactly is a local qualifying salary? I know it's not a new scheme. Um, I, I done some reading about it also. So can you like maybe just give us a couple of minutes or maybe less explanation and uh, how it's changed now or how it is going to change? Okay, so the local qualifying salary is pretty much a MOM HR term that has been used for the longest time to calculate how many foreign workers a local com- a Singapore company can hire. So how it works is that um, based on the... So Singapore's foreign manpower policy right now is that to hire foreign workers, you must have a certain number of local employees, right? And this mm-hmm. depending yeah. on the different sector, you would have a different percentage so for example services sector is 30 percent foreign workers maximum so for example so you will need to hire local employees and how they determine local employees is by the local qualifying salary which right now is a thousand four hundred a month right so just just because you hire a local and pay them less than a thousand four hundred doesn't make them a local to to get that foreign worker quota lah well, it seems that instead of the just... So what happens is that previously, if you have you don't hire the maximum amount of foreign workers that you have, you are entitled to, you don't have to pay all your Singaporean employees the LQS, the local qualifying salary. So if you basically you are entitled to, let's say you can hire up to three more foreign workers, but you only hire one, it means that you actually don't need to pay all your foreign, all your local employees, the LQS. There could be some of them who are actually below the LQS. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so like the new change is basically just saying, as long as you want to or intend to hire a foreigner, you have to pay all your employees one thousand four hundred dollars, right? And yep. you can't really game the system based on quotas anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to ask you that question, right? Is is this or does this not sound like a a blanket minimum wage to you? <laughs> So I, I think that uh, I think it's good that Angela actually gave the introduction of what the local qualifying salary is, right? Because in the past, yeah. it is what you need, you know, in, if you do not have enough local qualifying salaries or you have people that are actually below the $1,400 level, you actually, they don't actually count as local workers of which then your, your work permit uh, or your S-pass can be derived based on that, Right. So I think that that was a, I mean, that was a good system, right? So obviously, you know, you ca- companies can't get away with paying 10 workers, $100 each and claim they have 10 workers because they have to pay at least 1004 But I think the main change right now, which is very important to know, is that regardless of how many local workers you have, uh, so if, for example, you could have 
uh, a company of 20 local workers, or uh, 19 of whom are earning the local qualifying salary, the LQS of, you know, you have 20 workers, 19 of them earns the LQS, and, and that maybe gives you, say, five work permit holders, so you can uh, hire five foreigners under work permit, right? And what's happening now is the government is saying that um, even if you hire, say, two or three out of the five, you could have hired five, but you hired two or three. But going forward, you can't hire any of them because you have one person in your company that doesn't meet the LQS. So what I think it actually forces that company to do is to decide whether the individual who is earning below the LQS for whatever reason, right? Because if you see a company of 20 people, 19 earning at least 1,004 and above, you don't instinctively think that this is a company that doesn't want to pay a fair wage, right? Maybe for whatever reason, a company now has to decide if that one person who is earning below the LQS, maybe he's earning $1,000 today, is worth moving up to $1,004 at least, or is the company better off not having that person so that it can continue to retain its uh, work permit pass, all five of its work permit pass, even if it's only using three right now. So I think that's the big question here. Right? And the government is basically saying, if you don't move that person who's earning $1,000 or $1,300 today to $1,004, then you cannot hire any foreigners going forward. To a large extent, it does sound like a minimum wage. What are your uh, thoughts on that, Angela? It's not a full minimum wage because a minimum wage would cover all situations, all employment situations, regardless of whether the company's high foreign, local, or any variation, right? Whereas right now, it is a very specific situation where only companies who hire a mix of local and foreign are needed to meet this LQS. If you have all Singaporean employees, let's say you're, you're running a very small business and you only hire Singaporeans, you technically do not need to meet LQS. You could totally continue paying your, your supermarket auntie $1,000 a month and way below LQS. And how the government is addressing it is through a whole multi-pronged approach, as they like to call it, right? They have the LQS, which tackles companies with foreign workers. And they also have like the progressive wage model, which is like pushing via sector, sector implementation. So you already have cleaners, you already have security guards, landscaping on these schemes. So any company that is working in these sectors must pay a progressive wage or actually a minimum wage in that sector. And they're also pushing it towards occupational minimum wage, right? Where drivers and admin assistants would have to meet the PWM as well. I agree with Angela. Like if you think of the term minimum wage and you think of how it usually applies to most other countries, I can also add in that, you know, we, we certainly don't have minimum wage from the point of view that we don't pay a lot of foreign workers that uh, LQS even, right? So if you look at your regular construction workers, if you just solely look at the basic salary, not the overtime salary, the basic salary, I think a lot of them would struggle to actually hit that $1,400 LQS level right now, which in that sense, you know, doesn't mean that we don't exactly have a minimum wage yet because in most other countries that have minimum wage, it applies regardless of nationality, right? In Singapore, it's very specific. Yes. Only Singaporeans, for better or worse, are covered under this scheme. And to add on to that, you know, you also have 
progressive wages, which is essentially a minimum wage system for certain sectors, right? In fact, it goes beyond the minimum wage because it forces companies to actually pay a higher than a, a certain salary range depending on the job scope or the qualifications of the individual in, say, the cleaning, security, or the landscaping industry. So I think I, I would personally think that this is, you know, our modified version, our alternate version of minimum wage that we have in Singapore. And I, for the record, I think it's a good modified version. I think we don't need to follow what other countries are doing when it comes to minimum wage. And I think what's happening now, what the government is trying to do now is that it is trying to create what works for Singapore. And uh, it will be interesting to see whether, you know, the, the effect that we want it to, to, do, to do actually uh, pans out in the next few years. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think we'll come to, to progressive wages uh, more um, in, in maybe the next few questions. Um, I absolutely agree with you, you know, that it even goes further than minimum wage, right? Because it forces employees to think about whole ladder, how to progress their employees and pay them even more than the minimum. But yeah, we'll come to that. The one question I do find myself still asking right now, right, is that why, why do companies that only hire locals get a free pass on this $1,400 like, salary level? I think, I, I mean, in, in some sense, I feel personally, and I think PM Lee, I, I'm not going to try to put words in his mouth in case I get in trouble, <laughs> but I thought he alluded to this in his speech, which is that for a lot of companies that hire foreigners on, say, S-Pass, you know, there is in some sense a minimum wage that they are required to already pay, right? So I think from, maybe from the government standpoint, it's trying to make this fair, right? So if a company who is hiring foreigners already have to meet certain uh, minimum salary requirements for both, say, S-Pass and E-Pass, then why shouldn't we expect that same company to also achieve at least a minimum salary as defined by the government or MOM uh, when it comes to local workers? So personally, I think that makes sense. Uh, whereas for local companies that, or uh, for companies that don't hire any foreigners, well, I mean, that's also another topic, but I guess... The, the logic here is that, you know, they do not actually, you know, pay any certain minimum salary to foreigners and hence maybe it doesn't need to apply to them yet. If you look at the report that uh, the tripartite party just put up, right, they say that only like 6% of lower wage workers belong to that category and they are mainly in like, maybe like local mini-marts, very small, maybe even family-owned businesses of which maybe you don't need to pay that much because part of it is like you are already part of family business. And maybe part of it is also they are employed, not really because they are really need the job. Like the job requires them to be working, but it's more of to keep these people employed. Yeah. So I think there is an argument to, to say that, you know, there is a free pass in that sense. But it's not necessarily letting Singapore companies get away with hiring people at a lower pay rate. Because honestly, I don't think a lot of Singaporeans are willing to work for a very low wage anyway. Yeah, no, I think no, no one can really survive on under $1,400 if, if that's what you're working for, right? The money. Um, I yeah. do agree with you. Um, which brings me to my next question, actually, right? 
why, why the magic number of 1,400? I'm not sure if, you know, I don't think PMD actually said that he's going to stick to this figure, uh, but this is probably the current figure, right? And that we're just alluding to, just so, just so our listeners understand. Um, but why this magic figure of 1,400? I think from, from what I've read, um, and you guys can chip in here, I think about five, six years ago, we were already quite close to this um, 1,400 figure for our bottom, you know, 10% of, of wage earners in Singapore. So why stick to 1,400? You know, it seems like a really low bar or maybe another way to think about it is, you know, start the whole conversation at a low bar and progressively increase. What do you guys think? Yeah, so actually the LQS has a quite an interesting history. If you look at it, right, in 2017, it, it was at 1,000. It was started at $1,000. And every year since then, it has been increasing by $100. And I would expect that this would continue to increase as every year until we, we actually do meet the maybe the at least minimally the 10 percentile or even the 20th percentile. Because right now, our classification of lower wage workers is 20, 20 percentile, which is I think right now 1,900 because that's what the workfare covers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think we can expect that this would the LQS would eventually reach that level to cover all the lower wage workers. Yeah, you know, that makes a lot of sense, right? Uh, because our definition or the definition of lower wage workers is already at the 20th percentile. Yeah, okay, so, so another thing I am thinking about, and, and you guys can feel free to throw me questions uh, if it comes to your minds, right? So if the intention is not to impose or not to like maybe start a conversation about minimum wage, why not continue tweaking foreign worker quotas in the past? So why, why make it? Why, why the drastic step? I, I have a theory. I'm not sure if it's, log if it's how much um, weight it holds, but I do feel like the government is, um, especially with COVID, we have realized that there are a lot of jobs in Singapore that's essential, especially once we have a restriction on foreigners coming into Singapore, you know, and, and not, not a restriction that's set politically, but a restriction because of borders being forced to close. And I, I do feel like the government in general is trying to encourage the local labor force to participate more across different types of jobs, right? So we're not just talking at about, about the PMED jobs, but we're starting to realize that even uh, with jobs like, say, your admin assistant, your driver's job, and uh, of course, your the sectors that are already covered under progressive wages, that we do have to pay at least a fair salary in order to be able to attract or have a chance to attract uh, people to come work, to continue in their occupation, right? As, as I think Dinesh, we rightly mentioned, you know, anything below that feels like it's simply not worth working for. And I think um, most people realize that. And I think the government is trying to encourage uh, local workers to participate more, uh, whether or not is it they are younger or they are older people. Uh, and, you know, if, if increasing the salary or forcing companies to increase salary from, say, 1,000, in my hypothetical example at the start, you know, if somebody in that company is earning 1,002 in a company of 20 people that includes hiring three foreigners, you know, I think the company would logically, I hope, increase that person who's earning 1,002 to at least 1,004 and continue to employ all their foreign workers, as opposed to either not employing any foreign workers, which I think will be an overkill and a, probably a wrong decision, or worse, you know, yeah. letting go of the person who is earning 1002 So um, I think the government wants to encourage the local force. That's my opinion. 
You know, it, it does make a lot of sense. And, and I guess this also gives us a nice segue into the progressive wage um, questions that I, I do have or, or stuff that I do want to ask you guys. Again, just to give our listeners like, you know, some background on the scheme. I think Tim already alluded to it. Um, some of the, the sectors already covered include the cleaners, security sector, landscaping, and lift and escalator maintenance. And PMD said that this will be extended to retail, I think, by next year. And, and beyond that, um, food services, waste management. And um, I think, interestingly, um, it also applies or it will apply to occupations, um, regardless of which sector you are in or workers are in. So this includes administrative assistants and drivers. I had earlier. Um, and the other thing I guess um, you guys can chip in here is if I remember correctly again, okay, the, the lower ranks of the progressive wage are already about, you know, the thousand three hundred, thousand four hundred marks. So it's very, I mean, it very nicely or coincidentally, perhaps not coincidentally, but very nicely fits into the thousand four hundred LQS level as well. Um, but I'm not sure about admin assistants and drivers though. Um, maybe they have they have different um, salary amounts. Um, so given all this, um, I'm just really wondering why not come out and say, you know, this is a minimum wage. Um, obviously, you know, the thinking behind this is, you know, there has always been pushbacks, um, even at the last GE, you know, when, when opposition comes out and say uh, there should be a minimum wage. There's always been pushbacks from the, from the incumbent government to say this is not a minimum wage and this is their version of a minimum wage. So... Why not just come out and say this is a minimum wage? All signs point to, you know, um, all stars align, right? That $1,300 level is the minimum wage. I think part of the reason why we never call it a minimum wage, because as we alluded earlier, right? A minimum wage implies that every single worker, local or foreign, will be paid that wage. And part of or it higher, is or higher, or higher, or higher, right? At minimum, right? So it part of it is that we don't want to inflate our costs for foreign manpower by assigning a minimum wage to them. And and even today, we already are already bumping up the cost of hiring foreign manpower by imposing foreign worker levies, which actually brings up their wage to pretty much the LQS level. Yeah. And that, that, that maintains that parity to the company as a manpower cost, both for hiring local and foreign. But right, right, now, right now, what we are seeing, I think why we are moving towards using LQS is that even though implicitly it was a kind of like a implicit uh, wage flaw, companies have not really fully moved towards hiring all their employees at at least 1,004. Even though implicitly that was the encouragement that government has already set out by putting LQS as a policy threshold for you to hire foreign workers. And right now, I think it's like the change in wage improvement is not moving fast enough. And so therefore the government is putting in LQS right now. And part of it is also driven by the pandemic. I think what, one thing to, that we need to be careful about, and I feel like this may be an issue in the future, in a few years' time, is that especially with the... I was actually very surprised when the government mentioned progressive wages for a certain occupation, right? 
and my surprise was actually the fact that the government is quite clear in saying that admin assistant it's I think thousand five and drivers is one seven five zero, right? And I think you know Dennis, you were saying that if you you were looking for a job and let's say you just graduated from school or you haven't gone to uni and you're just looking for a part time job for a year or so, you 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 may actually look at this salary minimum salary and kind of like determine for yourself which is a better job based on whether it pays a bit higher right and and my worry is that you know we always talk about in Singapore we don't want to you know judge somebody based on their jobs or how much they're earning but actually what's happening is that the policy makers are actually ascribing a value a minimum value to some of these jobs and the the result and the effect that we want to avoid is a situation where people shun, shun certain jobs uh, because they think that it's considered as a lower class or not as good a job compared to one that maybe has a higher salary being set aside as the minimum base. What do you all think? It's true that certain occupations are less in demand. Like if you take a driver versus an admin assistant, most people will pick the admin assistant if in terms of job scope, right? It's just a it seems like an office job, seems a bit easier. And not, and not necessary, is, but <laughs> not necessarily so, but that's the perception that you have versus a driver who's dri- who's like driving around and uh and having a PWM bisector bisectors does allow some level of which adjustments, right? So sectors that are like cleaning, which is not really well-received, would typically use a higher wage to attract people to the sector versus a blanket minimum wage, which would would not allow any uh, wage differential. Yeah, no, I think you both bring up good points. I guess with with progressive wages, you know, we, we are able to adjust sectors that we want to push people into, like, especially when there are drastic shortages, right? But yeah, in you know, a few years' time, you know, we could look back at the progressive wages or even LQS and see, you know, that that uh, certain sectors suddenly become labeled as, you know, sectors that require progressive wages. I don't know whether that's a good or bad thing. You know, like do people want to join sectors that require progressive wages, you know, as a label? That that could be another thing to think about. Again, you know, it's based on memory. Don't don't fault me uh, or don't hang me out to dry if it, if I'm wrong. But I do remember during GE twenty twenty, you know, Dr. William Balakrishnan was on a televised debate, and he, I think he did mention that he wants progressive wages to be extended to all sectors one day, or alluded to something along those lines. And, and I guess if we do move towards that, then there wouldn't be that label so much um, as a concern. One of the areas which I'm not sure about what how, how the government is going to approach this is that I do think that there may be a small percentage of current local workers that may be employed uh, but with disability and that there are companies that perhaps are hiring, training these people, but maybe because of the fact that you know uh, these uh, workers that have a bit of disability, they, they may be a bit slower or there's adjustments and these companies would... Uh, maybe pay them lower than what the, the LQS currently is. And I, I'm not too sure what is going to be the policy pertaining to this, but I certainly hope that companies that are currently hiring people with disabilities do not actually get penalized uh, for doing so. In fact, I think we should be supporting these companies, right? Uh, because just allowing, uh, getting them to train 
people with disabilities to work well, you know, it's by itself something that it's already something we should support. And um, certainly hope that this uh, LQS, which is now a requirement if you want to hire any foreign workers, will not discourage such companies from doing so. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think I, yeah, now that you mentioned it, I have um, come across some companies doing those things um, and, and they hire people with disabilities, um, obviously at a much lower, lower salary. Um, because sometimes also they have much lower responsibilities and, and maybe hours put in, right? Um, so yeah, there should be some ex- uh, flexibility exercise there. And yeah, you know, PM Lee did also speak about a lot of other important topics. Some of them includes, you know, discriminatory practices at the workplace, uh, which was actually quite a large chunk of the, 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 the speech that he did give. Um, and he also talked about race and, and religious issues. Um, so, and, and we did write about some of these things in our articles on our website. So you can hit there to, to read up more about these things um, if you're interested. And as always, uh, we hope to see you at our next podcast episode again. Thanks, Tim and Angela. Thanks. Bye. Thanks.